so grateful today to be in your presence so grateful for the opportunity to worship God with you um, what it reminds me of when we are able to get together just as the last song we sang is that we are not alone we are not alone I need to get that the spirit has been you know I've been speaking these last few weeks about the controversial messages of Jesus but I was, I was reading this week and I kind of went in a slightly different direction, hence why I asked Sister Nia to sing this particular song. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I think it was, uh, it was some time ago now, but we lost a brother and I, I, some years ago and, and the loss of it really hit me hard. He was a young man um, caught in what we assume at this point to be some depth of depression and took his own life. Yes, and it, it, as you can imagine, the, we, we lost somebody who we'd seen grow up. We lost somebody who we saw um, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name. We saw this young man grow up in the church. And one of the things that I'm constantly coming back to when I think about this young man is that I can only assume he must have felt alone. And one of the things that the Spirit has been imploring upon me is to communicate to the church that we are not alone. I need to reinforce that. Um, that we are not alone. You, you don't, there's no fight you have to fight by yourself. There's no trouble you're in that you can't reach out to for help. You are not alone. I, I, on my watch, I don't want to lose folks to depression, to hurt, to torment, to disturbances in their life because they've gone down a path and they think they can't come back. I want you to know no matter how far down that road you've gone, we are going to come for you and help you. I don't care how deep you think you've got into the situation. It's, we're going to come help you. That's what we're here for. That's what community is for. I don't want you to fight your fights alone. Thank you, Lord. Even if the thing you only need me to be is just an ear to listen to. I can be that. If all you just need is somebody to know that if I ask him to pray, he's going to, with no judgment, get on his knees and start praying. You don't even have to give me the details. Just know I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I'm in your corner. One of the worst feelings I can only imagine is that when you're going through your toughest times, it feels like you're alone. It feels like it's just you fighting. That must be the worst feeling in the world. I don't know if you remember when you were young and you kind of watched that film that you weren't supposed to watch and now you're scared. And you know that it didn't even matter that you know there's no way your parents could beat that alien thing that you saw in that film, right? But as long as you got in their bed, like it was like protection. I don't know what it was, you felt better. You know they can't beat that thing that scared the heck out of you. But as long as I can get with them, this even worked for me with my brother. We had a bunk bed in our, we had the smallest room in the house. Me and my brother had the smallest room, so we had a bunk bed. I was on the, he forced me on the top, because I was the young one, right? And I'm the bottom. And I watched this film and my brother warned me, my brother Floyd warned me, he says, don't watch this film because I don't want to have to deal with you after. So I'll be fine, leave me alone. You know, I don't, I don't want to be told what to do, what to watch, how to watch it. I'll be fine, I told him. Well, 11.30 comes now, it's time for bed. Oh gosh. So I'm like, uh, Floyd, 
Can I come down? I'm like five or six or something. Can I come down into your bed, please? I heard this long sigh and pause. Oh, come on then. He knew this was coming. And more importantly, he knew that somehow, even though he couldn't beat the thing that I was scared of, he knew somehow I got comfort just by knowing I, he was right there. What, what that is, I have no idea. But let's lean into it if that's how we feel. If that's how it happens for us. I don't know if you come to me and ask me for money, I can help. I just don't know. But what I know I can do is that I can help you know that this is, you're not alone. It's not going to be over. I don't know if I can help you with your homework that is, is causing you stress. I, probably, I definitely can't help you with your job. I can't, I've been barely struggling with my own, right? But I know sometimes just talking about it helps. Just having somebody who will listen to you for, to rant just for five minutes sometimes just helps. We are designed to tackle problems together, not apart. That's why we kind of congregate in cities, because there are problems we can solve. country, you may have to um, deal with your sewage by putting in a tank underneath the ground and they come and grab it for you every three months or so. That's how it works. In a city, we're all piped in because we've shared the cost between us. Everybody's paid a little bit of taxes and we've all said, let's just deal with this, literally let's deal with this mess together. No one deals with it by themselves. Community helps you. And I need you to remember that you are not alone, saints. Community is designed to help. I don't want you to go home thinking that you're the only one who has to deal with this. We'll deal with this as a community. So that leads me back to Psalms 139. David has a prayer that he has given to his chief musician. So this is like me having gone home this week and I go to Sister Nira and Brother Quincy and I say, here, this is my prayer. I want a song. That's what David has done. He's had this prayer in his heart and he's been worried and concerned and somehow this prayer has given him relief and he says, you know what, I think this is going to help somebody else. I think sometimes we have to realize that our testimonies help other people. The things we overcome helps other people. Sometimes we have to know that other people have gone through it and they're still okay, they're still here. Like, I thought when I was going to university, and I was blessed enough to, to go to university, um, and it was one of the most difficult experiences that I had. But what I did have was just before me, my sister had gone through a similar experience. She had got, I thought, okay, not that I thought I was any cleverer, I just knew that if she could get through it, then maybe I could too. We came out of the same house. We, we pretty much did the same kind of things. So if she could get through it, maybe I could too. At some point, I remember to this day, I have stress dreams about missing assignments for university. I'm almost 50 at this point. And I'm still thinking about university. Great experience, but a troublesome one. But I needed that kind of reassurance that somebody else was there with me. 
Sometimes we have to expose a little bit of our insecurities to help people who are weak. Like projecting that we're always strong isn't necessarily the best thing when somebody's going through something. Let them know that you went through it and it was a struggle for you too. And it kept you up too. But eventually you got through it too. Because you need to, sometimes what, what, um, what the problem is, is that they can't imagine what victory looks like. But it's easier to imagine what victory looks like if the person that looks like you, sounds like you, has, has, is no cleverer than you, no taller than you, no shorter than you, has got the same kind of history, but they're now on the other side of it. I can imagine what victory looks like if you tell me about your victory. Testimony helps us do that. I get to see what you've been through and see that I can get through it too. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So David, in the Psalms 139, David is talking, has taken his prayer, this thing that's closest to his heart, and said, I want you to put this to a tune and I want you to sing about it. And the very first words he puts in is, Oh Lord. Self-existent one, I'm talking to you. And in this particular moment, David isn't thinking about the God who created heaven and earth. That's not the way in which he he starts this moment, and he could have. But he starts this as an intimate prayer, almost between two people. He says, oh Lord, Thou hast searched me. You've searched me. You've searched me. You've looked at me. You've seen me. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody where their mind is not there. Like, I'm talking to you, but I know you're thinking about what you're supposed to be doing tomorrow. And you're like, ah, nah, never mind. I've got somebody else who's got attention. He's saying to the Lord, you've seen me. You absolutely see me. Not only do you see me, but you've looked at every part of my life. You've seen it. You've seen, you've broken out the parts of my life and you know me so well. You have searched me. (sighs) My wife, I often say this, my wife and I have been so long together so long now that we often finish each other's sentences. In fact, we often say the same thing at the same time like that we say, I'm like, wait a minute, how are you saying that? I'm saying that, give me a chance, we're doing the jinx game all day. <laughs> like jinx, like your jinx, because you're the one who said, like how are we saying this? Because she knows me now. Yes. When we got married first, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other in every situation. Like when I'm stressed about work, she now knows that I talk in my sleep. <laughs> Right when I'm stressed about, she knows it. But when it first happened, she was like, "What is what is he talking about?" <laughs> knows every aspect. She knows which food I like. She knows when I'm hungry. She knows when I'm two hours, when I'm half an hour away from being irrationally upset because I'm hungry. She can she can set her clock by when Mark is going to be too angry because he's too hungry. <laughs> she knows me, so she doesn't just know me when I was, we just got married, she knows, knows me in almost every situation. When I'm happy, what annoys me, what TV shows are like, 
And David in this opening sentence is saying, Lord, you've searched me. You do know me, right? You, you don't just know me when I'm happy. Because when you're dating and you're engaged, all the, the person you're trying to present is the happy one. I go to the date full. Like, I'm not gonna risk her seeing me when I'm hangry. Is that, that's the word? When I'm hangry and he needs a Snickers to kind of help him. I don't, I don't want her to see me like that. I want her to see me when I am at my best. But what David is saying, I'm open, you know me. You know me when I'm hangry. You know me when I'm depressed. You know me when I'm frustrated. You know the things that motivate me and get me going every day. David here is saying, Lord, you've searched me. And the funny thing is, we understand from the rest of the scripture, David's not saying, you search me now. Because I'm not the same person I was when we were married. That's impossible. Like, years have gone past. I know more, hopefully now. Right? I, I've been to a few more places. David is saying, you knew me when I was, for, when I was first formed. And you know me now. And he's by definition insinuating, you will know me in the future. You know everything about me. You know me when I'm, let's keep reading. He says, thou hast searched me and known me. Verse two, thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. What is the thing that makes me stop? What is the thing that makes me go? What is the thing that makes me happy? gets me going, gets me excited. What is the thing that just throws me, throws off my day? You know it. There's nothing surprising you about me. And I just want you to know that the Lord already knows you. He knows who you were when you were born. He knows who you were when you were a troublesome teenager. He knows who you are when you were in your 20s and just starting to get a little bit of common sense. He knows who you were when you know that you were just one mistake away from being on a completely different path. And quiet as it's kept the thing we don't talk about, he knows who you're becoming tomorrow. He knows that person too. He knows that person you're trying to become and will become. So it's, there's nothing being hid here. That's why David was completely unashamed to take his prayer and give it to the musicians and say, sing about this, the Lord knows me, sees me, you're not alone. And I want you to know you're not alone now, you never were alone, and you won't be alone. He knows you now, he knows who you were, and he knows who you're gonna be. There's no reason for you to feel alone. <laughs> And I know, you know, in, back in Genesis, it, it, I think it's uh, Genesis 2.18, it says it's not good for, the, when the Lord made Adam, and he said it's not good for man to be alone. So I don't want us to go away with the excuse that, well, the Lord knows, so we can stay out of it. No, he said to Adam after he created him, still not good for him to be alone. Let me make something that is appropriate for him. Companionship was necessary and important. Not just, not just marital companionship, general companionship. It's necessary and important. We need each other. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. So what does David go on to say? He says, thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising, and art acquainted, sorry, uh, understand, thou understandest my thoughts afar off. I love this one. Because sometimes I think <laughs> our thoughts are so abstract and they are so, <laughs> you know where our minds go. He knows the bounds of you. Not just what you're acting out, not what you're actually physically doing. It's easy for me to observe somebody and see, ah, they wake up at eight o'clock every single morning. I know who they are. They go to bed at 9 p.m. I know who they are. They go to work for eight hours a day, perfectly on the dot. I know who they are. No, the Lord is saying, I know what your habits are, what you do, but I know the thoughts behind those habits too. Like, I know the, the thoughts that you're constructing to make your habits what you do. Yes. The funny thing is, um, if you want to figure out what somebody's doing for the future, if you want to figure out what that is, you have to look at their habits. But their habits come from your thoughts, right? So I can look at your habits and see what your future is going to be. If you're a diligent person, your future is probably going to be diligent. If you're a lazy person with your habits, it's probably not going to be so good for you in the future. But the Lord knows the origin of the habits. He knows the thoughts that went into the habits. So he knows the habits before the future. So the, my God knows everything about you, even those way off thoughts. Those thoughts that are kind of just out there. And having this kind of knowledge of who he is might do one of two things. It might frighten you, like knowing everything, oh gosh. But I also want you to know he knows this and still loves you. You're not alone. Amen? You're not alone. With all this knowledge, David is saying, this is wonderful, I can't obtain, this is high. Let me keep reading because I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 3. Yes, let me go back to verse 2. It says, Thou knowest my down sitting. What starts me off? What, what makes me stop? You know, my uprising. What gets me going? Thou understandest the very thoughts in my head. <laughs> it's funny. Um, situations can change people. Like, when I, after I was married, my friendships all changed because I had to reorder my priorities. It's just the way it is, right? So you may say you knew me before, but you can't just call me at 12 o'clock at night now and not assume it's not gonna disturb my wife as we're, we're getting settling in, right? You can call me to be sure, but I'm saying you have to understand that there are other things in my life now. And David, who over the course of his life has become a shepherd, a musician, a harpist, a singer, and he has become a soldier, he has become a general, he has become a mercenary fighting for people. He actually then became a king, right? And at each of these junctions in his life, something changed. But the Lord still knew him in every single situation. So it doesn't matter how I change, you, our relationship might change because of my positions change, but my relationship with him never changes because he knew me in each of those functions. He knows me now about the me that is coming. He knows me now about the me that I was. 
He knows me. Verse 3, thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. You know the direction I'm going in. The Lord knows the very direction I'm headed. He knows which paths I'm taking and he's already on those paths. He, the scripture said he compasses, meaning he's on either side of it. So if I happen to be on the path and I veer a little bit off the path, he's already a little bit off the path with me, for me. Amen? This is the nature of our God being with us. You're not alone. And my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all, everything I'm doing, you know about. The thing that you've hidden successfully from everybody else, he is fully aware of. The part of your character that is, you know, um, that is hidden, that thing you may even be ashamed of, he knows about. Thank you, Lord. For there is not a word in my tongue, I love this, there is not, verse 4, there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Have you ever done this, where you're saying something to somebody, but that's not the thing you mean, and you want them to know what it is, but you don't want to have to say it. That's what this is. Like, I've got a word in there, but I don't want to use it because maybe I'm embarrassed or I don't, like, Brother Jonathan come up to me and say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. That should be enough to let you know I said words that actually, that's a clue. The way I left it, the, the pause there, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm, my voice went up at the end. I'm fine. There's, there's something going on there. I said something, but what I meant was something else. And the Lord knows what you're saying and what you meant. <laughs> now I've got to interpret that. Like, did he really mean he's okay? Maybe he's not okay, and I need to ask a couple of clarifying questions. And I'll say, well, how's mom doing? How's dad doing? Kind of figuring out what's going, how's the work going? Trying to get a bit closer to the truth. There's none of that with the Lord. <laughs> he knows what you say and what you meant when you said it. We do that all the time. And we kind of sometimes blame each other when we do that. Like you should have known. Like you should have known of what I meant when I said what I said. We do that to each other as friends. But that's because we assume we're that close and we, you, should have got my, you should have got what I really meant when I said that. <laughs> Amen? And we do have to be in tune with each other to carefully understand what we're saying. Pass your words out. You have to tell me, yes, I'm fine with strong enthusiasm or I'm going to come and ask you a couple more questions. I'm going to ask a few more. Make sure you're doing okay. Amen? Amen? So here he says, thou hast... For there is not a word in my tongue, but not my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Every interpretation of your word, the Lord knows. He completely understands. When you said, um, I'm doing okay, the Lord knows what okay really means. I don't. When you said you were okay, you were saying, I'm barely holding on. That's the thing you were saying, but I didn't pick it up because I wasn't sensitive enough or compassionate enough or I didn't hear the inflection in your voice. But the Lord knows it all together. 
He knows what your okay on Tuesday afternoon really meant. He also knows what your okay on Saturday is when you're actually off work really means. Like, I'm okay now, now I'm okay. My Tuesday's okay wasn't so okay, but Saturday's okay is so much better. But he knows both of them all together. I love the Lord. Man, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Amen. So here he goes on. Let me keep going. Um, Verse 5. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hands upon me. This is none other than the Lord filling your life, where you're going, where you've been. And he's saying, my hands are upon you. He wants you to know how close he is to you. If my hands are on you, that means I'm with you. I am in, literally in your presence right now. I love this prayer of David. I think it's so amazing. The Lord's hands are literally on us right now. And that doesn't change when we go home. That doesn't change when we go on our jobs. It doesn't change when we're traveling back and forth. His hands are on us right now. (laughs) And he says, what did he say? Thou hast beset me behind and before. Imagine all the places we're going to go between now and next Sunday. You're going to take your person, your body, and drive it all through these streets. You're going to drive all these locations. You're going to go to your job. You're going to go visit friends. You're going to go visit family. And think about the space that your literal physical body inhabits. I'm going to move through space, go out the door to my car. I'm going to go down the road all the way. And wherever I am, in front and behind, from now, he is in front and behind. Uh, This is a wonderful God who's never leaving us alone. I need you to understand you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Thank you, Jesus. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. David almost kind of pauses in the middle of his own prayer here. Because I love verse 6. He says, such knowledge. When I think about the first five verses I've just said, such knowledge. He's paused in the middle of his prayer and he's reflecting on his own prayer. And he's saying, Lord, such knowledge is... Oh, so beautiful. He's so wonderful for me. It is high, meaning it's lofty, meaning these ideas are so beautiful and high and wonderful to me that I cannot attain unto it. Meaning, he's saying deliberately, I don't even understand the scope of your love towards me. I don't understand how broad it is. I can't even get it in my own head, even though I'm praying this prayer. I love this scripture so much because it's telling us we are not alone and I can barely attain to the knowledge that God has in me. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you. And then he goes on and says this, whether shall I go from my, thy spirit? How, how could I? He's kind of proposed this as a question and it's a question that he's going to answer himself. It's a way in which we encourage a certain kind of praise. It's where you say, um, you know, um, how beautiful is my wife? She's this beautiful. It's a way of kind of allowing you, you understand me, to talk about something. So he says, 
Where shall, I'm going to kind of interpret it here. Where shall I go from my spirit? How could I escape your spirit? Um, or, put me a question another way, how would I get away from your presence? How could I get away from your spirit? Or how could I get away from your presence? The two questions he's asking himself here. He said, and he kind of puts a couple of proposals to his own question. The first proposal, if, he's, if I ascend up into heaven, that's the obvious one. You're supposed to be, the Lord's supposed to be in heaven. Like I get that. So if I ascend into heaven, you're definitely there. <laughs> so the next one he proposes, if I make my bed in hell, and this interpretation of hell is the grave, essentially. If I am dead, essentially. He's essentially saying, if I make my bed in hell or in the grave or I'm dead, behold, thou art there. Now that's the one. That's the one where he's kind of shaking foundations a little bit here. He's letting them know that, yes, you're in heaven, but you're in the grave too. <laughs> you're in death too. You're going to be there with me no matter where I am. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, I can only imagine that the sea represented at that time when this was written, the most remote location they could imagine. Like, no one was thinking about going to the moon back then, right? We can all agree there. That, was, that, was, that would have been ludicrous. <laughs> but going to the sea and the bottom of the sea, like, they travel along, like, they know it's deep. They don't know how deep, but it's unknowable. It's the most unknowable part of their existence. What's at the bottom of the sea? No one's figured out how to survive too far underneath the water, right? But I'm here to tell you that was just the limits of his imagination. That wasn't the limits of what God could do. That was simply what David could imagine, the bottom of the sea early in the morning. Like, that's, that's it. But, like, trust me, if this were the moon, his presence is there. If this was Mars, I've not got no problem with imagining it now. Doesn't matter how deep, how far, how wide, how early we get up. <laughs> just him talking about the early in the morning part it's not like today where the rhythm of night and day is broken up by us we don't have to worry about night time because all the lights are on everywhere we go <laughs> right David is saying when the darkness of the world has descended meaning no one can see anything outside of the city because it's all darkness out there he said if you start then he still knows when we are. Yes. I just love this scripture. Let me just do a couple more verses and I'm getting out of your way. He said, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell and the grave, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, the deepest parts of the sea, we now know that the deep parts of the sea are about three times, I think it's three times higher than Everest, like the, the, the mountains down there, the depths of the valleys down, it is so deep. And he's saying if you even got down there, like I'd, your presence is gonna be there with me. Even there shall thy hand lead me, hand again. This closeness, this intimacy. God's hands upon us, he's holding us, he's leading us, he's with us, he's touching us. We are not alone. Amen? We are not alone. 
If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. And the right hand is very deliberate. The, hand is the right hand is the hand of strength and power and authority. But are you also finding out from David is the hand of comfort. It's the hand of the shepherd. It's the hand of guidance. I'm going to come back to this next week, but I just want a couple more verses in here. It says, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. <laughs> I was uh, doing a little bit of study on eyes because I was thinking about how the eye of the Lord is upon us. And I was looking at eagles. Eagles are one of the be- have some of the best sight in the animal kingdom. In fact, an eagle is only about 10 pounds, but their eyes are about the size of a human eye. And it's about, the, it's about the same size as a human eye, and about, it's way better than a human eye. And in fact, an eagle who is about three miles away can see a rabbit moving. Like from three miles away. Can see enough detail, I don't know how they do it, but they see enough detail to see this rabbit moving. And they can change course and go after it. He sees the rabbit and adjusts accordingly. In fact, when you see their head moving like this, that's their ability to, they're inputting that information about what has moved. You see their head kind of constantly going back and forth. And I was reading about this, I was like, if, if, if that animal can see all that it needs to see from that small rabbit, when, he's, when the scripture tells you that the Lord has his eyes upon us, there's no detail being missed. Like you're saying to yourself, well, how does he see a rabbit run from three miles away? <laughs> And I'm asking, you may be asking yourself, well, why would he care about me? You may, well, how does he see me? There's billions of people on this planet. Why is he seeing me? But you don't worry, you don't even think about how the rabbit, how the eagle sees the rabbit. You accept that. He sees you. He sees your changing mood. He sees you getting better and happier. He sees you getting worse. And I wanted to tell you that I don't care what you're going through, the Lord's not leaving you alone. I want you to get happy about this idea. He knows exactly who you are and still wants you. He knows exactly who you were and still wants you. He knows who you're going to be and still wants you. He loves you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. May the Lord add a blessing to this word. Amen. Glory to your name.